This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Today, the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast is talking to Kate Hartfield, who writes historical science fiction and fantasy. Welcome, Kate. Thanks very much for having me. You've written several books that combine history with fantasy or science fictional motifs, including a pair of queer time travel novellas, Alice Payne Arrives and Alice Payne Rides. Recently, those books were mentioned in an article by Amal El-Motar, who asked the question, why are there so many new books about time-traveling lesbians? So let's start with a synopsis of the Alice Payne series and then see if we can answer that question. Sure, yeah. Uh, so there are two Alice Payne novellas. They're published by Tor.com Publishing. And they tell the story of a highwaywoman named Alice Payne. She's leading a, a double life as a highwaywoman in uh, the 1780s in England. And she gets wrapped up in a time travel war between two factions of time travelers from the future. Uh-huh. And her uh, her partner in all of this is her ostensible companion, who is uh, Jane Hodgson, and she's uh, a scientist or a natural philosopher, as, as she might more likely have been called in those days. So together they try to figure out what's going on and try to change the course of events from there. So the, the main characters are actually historic people but they get then caught up in this time travel thing. Yes, yeah, they, they, they're they sort of loosely based on sort of amalgams of real women in the 18th century. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and they get caught up in, uh, in time travel that's happening because this uh, time traveler from the future named Prudence needs someone from the 18th century to help her destroy time travel for all time, basically. <laughs> so she's trying to get them roped up at something. This ties in very nicely with one of my podcast shows that I uh, did a rerun of recently, which is all about female high women in history and literature. Yes. Yeah, I just saw that that episode and I was like, oh, I've got to give that a listen. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, there were obviously there were quite a few. Well, maybe not obviously to, to many, but there were quite a few actual highway women and highway robbers you know if you read the the old bailey accounts of trials and that kind of thing and so i i drew in some of those histories to inform my character of alice Payne for sure let's get back to this idea that there is this this new fashion for time traveling lesbians and i know that one of the reasons that amal wrote that article was to promote her new novella with Max Gladstone, uh, This is How You Lose the Time War, which does not partake of historic settings in quite the same way as what, what I'm looking for in this show. And there were a couple other books mentioned, but knowing how the timelines of publishing work, it's certainly possible to see this alleged trend as simply coincidence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the funny thing is, is that none of us knew that we were all doing this. It seems like most of us were writing these books in 2016. So I think it's coincidence in the sense that we didn't know what anyone else was up to. And we certainly didn't know it was going to be a trend in publishing. <laughs> but the fact that that was the year when so many people's minds turned to 
how does history happen? How does how do timelines change? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think maybe it's not coincidence. The fantasy that we can go back and actually change the present by fixing the past was very appealing at that time. Exactly, exactly. And so I think it was on a lot of our minds. Um, you know, how did we get here? Where are we going? Uh, so time travel is is sort of a natural way to explore that question. Um, and I thought that Amal made a, an interesting point in her piece too, in saying that that ties in with the history of queer women because the idea of rewriting history or rediscovering history is is not new to us right because it's it's something we're doing all the time realizing that stories have been erased or you know sort of poo-pooed and and taken out of history in some way so that idea of taking another look at history is sort of a natural fit for telling the stories of queer women as well and so i think that's why those two things seem to be going together or it could all just be <laughs> you know, pure coincidence random yeah, yeah. But but I have noticed because I've been trying to put together a database of FF historical novels, um, and I've noticed that there is a significant subgenre of what I call cross time novels. That for that that's sort of an umbrella category for time travel, for past lives, for women researching queer characters in the past and making a connection across history that way, and. My perception, and this is just just me brainstorming, is that in some ways it's it's a way to make history accessible to the modern readers, to give them that that anchor in the present, so you have a present character interacting with the past in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely helps. I think having having a character, it's almost in the same way that you have a portal fantasy. You have someone from our world who's acting as proxy in some way for the reader. Uh, so definitely, uh, especially I'm thinking of the novels of Connie Willis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in her time travel novels, there's there's quite a strong sense of that, that the time travelers are, in a way, sort of our guides to history, and they, they go back and show us what's happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting thing, because I've used the portal fantasy metaphor for stories about um, cross-dressing women. And, mm-hmm. and the idea that it is a, a psychological portal into the experience of same-sex attraction. And maybe we need a, a more abstract umbrella term to talk about that, that anchoring and exploring motif. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So most of your published writing draws heavily on historic settings and themes in some way. Can you point to a specific life event that got you interested in history? I don't think there's any one thing. I've always been a reader of historical fiction uh, and fantasy um, and science fiction for that matter too. So I think those those were my books when I was a kid. Books like Rosemary Sutcliffe's novels. Oh yes, oh uh, yes. You know, they, they were my, uh, my food when I was a child. So I think probably the world of books is what got me interested in history. You know, and I did most of my published work of any length takes place in Europe and my dad is English and we traveled uh, to England and and went to all the old castles and that kind of thing when I was 11 so there may have been some uh, aspect there that that got me more interested in European history but I definitely always was as well I've been interested in that history and in those stories uh, since I was a small child. Yeah I think for those of us who grow up in North America but who have European roots a visit back over the other side of the pond can can really spark that idea of this this physical history belongs to us too in some tenuous way because I, I, yeah, 
I would say you're Canadian and and I'm American, or at least you're in Canada yeah. right now. Yes, I, I am Canadian. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I think that there's uh, it's an interesting relationship. You know, there, there's a certain um, claiming of it to a certain extent, and also maybe grappling with it. You know, um, as here we are at this at this point in history after colonialism, and 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 how you know where is our history as um, as for myself as a white settler in Canada? Yeah. You know, what is my history to tell? is a difficult question, you know? So, so I have written quite a few short stories written in the past in Canada, in Canadian settings, but my novels and novellas uh, seem to keep turning back to Europe and, and sort of wrestling with that heritage and, 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 you know, the, the bad bits as well as the good and, and what interests me there. So yeah, it seems to be a pattern so far anyway. <laughs> I know you have a, a non-time traveling historic fantasy armed in her fashion set yes. in the 14th century. And that one, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't have any queer female characters, but it does have a trans se- secondary character. And yeah. do your story inspirations automatically come to you with queer elements? Or is this an aspect of history that you are deliberately layering into your fiction? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's getting more deliberate as I go on. With Armed in Her Fashion... And maybe I think you it could give a brief background of that story. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Armed in Her Fashion is about a woman in 14th century Flanders who leads a raid on hell. And this came to me from actually a painting by Peter Bruegel, uh, which is based on a Flemish folk tale about a woman who who raids hell, and I thought, well, that's a novel. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I wrote the story. She's she's basically a, a middle aged woman who's trying to get her money back from her dead husband, and uh, so she goes into a hell mouth to get it. And it's a very, it's, as it sounds, it's a very weird novel. And uh, but one of the characters is uh, a trans male character, a, a crossbowman named Claude. And yeah, and I think that that character came to me because I was thinking about. You know, I was reading about characters in history who either were, you know, the sort of the big topic of, of women who were disguised to fight as soldiers, but then mm-hmm. also the many trans men who were soldiers as well. And, and the stories that we know and, and the stories that we don't know, I mean, people who would who would be called trans men today, of course, yeah. the term didn't exist at the time. But the, that, that story sort of arose out of reading out of reading the history and thinking, okay, yeah, here are some stories that I haven't seen a lot uh, in medieval fantasy, and especially because so much medieval fantasy really focuses on aspects of medieval life that we don't see a lot. You know, it asks, it's, it's, it focuses on rural families and high stakes politics and that kind of thing. And there's a little of that in my novel, but it's also very much the story of ordinary people. So I wanted to tell a few stories that I felt hadn't been told enough. So that seemed to fit uh, for me there. I like the yeah, idea of telling a- telling the stories of ordinary people because, quite frankly, we've heard lots of stories about royalty and high stakes battles and things, and it's it's hard to find a new angle on that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, so I really wanted to bring stories to life that hadn't been told before, and I think that was my thinking with uh, Alice and Jane as well. Is that uh, as I started reading more and more about 18th century women, I thought, okay, well this would be an interesting d- dynamic to explore uh, with these characters as well to make them two women uh, in a relationship. Uh, so it, I think it just sort of seems to arise naturally, but I find that with each new book that I write, I'm thinking about it a lot more deliberately. In the, wor- the book that I'm working on now is, uh, speaking of royalty, it's actually a historical fantasy novel about Marie Antoinette and her ah, sister. 
Andrea Carolina. <laughs> and while they're not, I, I haven't queered them in this book, uh, although oh. there are many stories that do. I was going to say, although uh, their political enemies did. <laughs> yes, they certainly did. They certainly did. And there, there are plenty of, of rumors to that effect and, and uh, you know, uh, pamphlets about that and that sort of thing. So it definitely crossed my mind. But there are characters in the book, you know, so the very first paragraph of the book, at least in the draft as it stands, makes mention of uh, their another one of their sisters who had a relationship with, with her sister-in-law, with Joseph, who would become Emperor Joseph, his first wife, was in a very, very close relationship with one of the Habsburg girls. And it was considered a problem to Maria Theresa in some way that this was happening. And so that's sort of a reference in the very first paragraph of, of my novel. And you know, there and another. There's a um, a trans woman, the Chevalier Dion, who shows up at some point uh, in my novel as well. And so I do when when I find characters in the history who were there. You know, I, I do try to make sure that I mention them. Yeah. <laughs> you know that I remember they're there. Yeah. So that leads on to my my next topic, which is how do you go about researching historic sexuality to embed your characters in the the attitudes and understandings of the time? Yeah, that's always such a difficult question because, you know, as we were just saying, we don't always have have the words, you know, that the terms change, uh, definitions change, understandings change, and especially when you're trying to write uh, in the point of view of the characters of the time. So that's always a tension between representing the point of view of your characters and uh, being mindful of of your readers in in 2019 or 2020 as it will soon be. So yeah, so that I feel like I'm always really struggling to get that right. The research to me temp, tends to sort of pull me back and ground me in some way that when I'm not sure how to represent a character, I will I will actually just go to the actual evidence of the time and find what people said about them or, or what they said themselves and and try to use those words as much as possible so that. I'm representing them as truly as I can, uh-huh. um, while at the same time, you know, trying not to, not, trying not to represent things in a way that will be hurtful to modern readers unnecessarily as well. So it is definitely a balance. Yeah, I I find that a lot, and especially in trying to find the the balance in the the category differences. So the different ways that people understood what the possible categories were, and that especially around the the intersection of passing women and trans men is mm-hmm. is tricky because in so much of the historic evidence it's it's ambiguous you know or or if we could get inside the heads of those characters they might respond saying what the heck are you talking about what what i don't even understand what the question is here so right. it yeah and and the whole point about you know you're you're writing for an audience and the audience does not want to be kicked in the teeth Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really struggled with that with Armed Inner Fashion. And, you know, I had, because I had the characters from my trans male character is a as, is a point of view character. And so when he's when he's got the floor, he uses male pronouns for himself. And, you know, and it's very clear he's he knows who he is. And, and that's, that's that. But he is misgendered a lot throughout the book. Uh, and I did that because I wanted it to be jarring to the reader in some way to realize that, yes, this is a misgendering and it's wrong. But I think if I were going to write the book over again now, I would I would strip out a lot of that more. I stripped out a lot in my final draft to begin with, but I think I would strip it out even more because I know now that, you know, for trans readers to be reading the book, every time they come across someone who does misgender him, then 
that's just one more little dig of the knife that I would rather not have them experience unnecessarily, right? So that, you know, trying to, on the one hand, show my my cis readers, you know, this is what it's like to be this character, but on the other hand, not be unnecessarily cruel to trans readers, I, I think is something that I didn't really do as well as I could have. So that's something I think I'm always learning as I go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience with my most recent book. With I have a, a, a trans male character. And having the, the viewpoint character interact with him and try to get her head around, you know, who is this person and how do I understand and think about him? And, mm-hmm. and showing that process without making it uncomfortable for trans readers is I I fortunately had some people who were willing to, you you know, listen to my initial summary and, and tell me some hard truths and and set me straight on a few points. And I I certainly hope that I responded well to their advice. But, uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with that struggle. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's evolving as we go, at least I hope it is that we all get better and listen and, and try to do as, as well as we can with that. I think it's it's an ongoing problem with writing writing in history and rewriting our idea about history and, and trying to tell stories in a way um, that will make them accessible and, and not make them painful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the Marie Antoinette novel that you're working on, or is it a novel or a novella? It's a big novel, yeah. <laughs> big novel. Any other projects in the offing that uh, you would be able to talk about? Uh, sure. Um, the most recent one that just came out, actually, is an interactive project uh, for Choice of Games. It's actually my second project for them. So it's a game, but it's text-based. So it's very similar to a choose-your-own-adventure style format. Uh, so it's uh, sort of, uh, you read a, a few paragraphs of text and then you're asked to make a choice about what happens next Mm -hmm. Uh, so the first one that I wrote for them that came out last year is called The Road to Canterbury and that one is based on Chaucer Uh Uh, and uh, the one that just came out December 2019 uh, is called The Magician's Workshop and that one is about Renaissance Florence uh, Florence in 1512 uh, with magic Uh and one of the great things about Choice of Games is that they are very explicitly inclusive in how people, the gender and sexuality choices of the player character, and also that there are always queer characters included as the secondary characters in choice of games projects. So, and there too, in writing historical settings, I had to think about, okay, how do I, how do I make sure this is inclusive um, and allow you know, the, the player character can be, you know, there are six gender choices and there are various uh, ways of, of um, having, you could be asexual, you could be aromantic, you can pursue romance, you can pursue sexual relationships uh, with all the characters. There's a non-binary secondary character. Um, so writing that in a way that made sense for 16th century Florence was a lot of fun and, and really interesting and uh, challenging, <laughs> but uh, but I hope that it, it all worked. <laughs> Uh-huh. And and there's magic and it's sort of uh, you know flying machines and alchemy and all kinds of fun stuff. Cool. So I know you have a website heartfieldfiction.com, but if people wanted to follow you on social media, would you point them in any particular direction? Yes, absolutely. I am on Twitter far too much. My handle there is Kate Hartfield, all one word, and uh, it's spelled just like a heart, uh, like the organ, and like a field. 
Kate with a K. I have a an author page on Facebook as well, although I'm a lot less active there. Um, and yeah, my website's got uh, all the information about my forthcoming projects and that kind of thing. So I'll include links to all of those in the show notes, as well as all the books that we discussed. Thank you so much for sharing your time with the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon 